and welcome to the new episode of Behind the Grind podcast. We're your hosts, Sam Page. And I'm Niharika. Today, we'll be hearing from Ashes. Ashes strives to be the most progressive global law firm who instinctively take a fresh perspective on situations, exploring whether there are better ways of delivering practical commercial solutions to the challenges their clients face in today's rapidly changing business landscape. They have an international network of offices in 16 countries, allowing them to provide help and advice to clients across Asia, Australia, Europe, the Middle East and North America with more than 1,600 partners and lawyers. Asher stay true to their values of being passionate about quality, delivering results through collaboration and thinking differently. Today, you'll be hearing from Ken, who is a partner at Ashurst. Ken, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm a partner in the global loans team at Ashurst. I've been with Ashurst for about 13 years now, and I've been a partner for the last five or even six years, actually. My practice involves three main areas of law, all within the broad rubric of banking and finance law. So I do general corporate finance, some acquisition finance, and finally, I do a lot of real estate finance. Real estate finance basically involves acting for financiers or developers who are either lending or borrowing money in the context of the building of a you know, large development. So it might be something like a 90-story uh, skyscraper. Obviously, it costs a lot of money to build those sorts of projects and we act for the financiers usually um, that lend the debt that enables those sorts of projects to get built. Wow, that is huge. <laughs> I'm sure that is a lot of money going around there. We'll always get started with a few uh, quick questions. The first one we always ask is, what is your favourite coffee order? My favourite coffee order, I love a good lean, long black and I've got a lot of favourite cafes. So um, Ashurst is close to... Um, in the city, a cafe called Patricia, which is the hipster uh, venue of choice in the city. I love the, love the team there. And now that I've been working from home a lot this year, Paige, I love going to all the local Fitzroy cafes. So places like Bentwood, Burnside, Gabriel and Calare Coffee, all in Fitzroy. Uh, I'm a regular at all of those. Oh, and A Coffee as well in Collingwood. Oh, I'm a big coffee drinker. <laughs> I can tell. I'm sure people will be popping into those places now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can recommend all of them. Oh, all right. I like it. I might have to go up that way and give some of them a try. And on that, with your morning coffee, is there any song you like to play in the morning that will get you in a good mood or kickstart your day? I always like the baseline to Tame Impala's The Less I Know The Better. It's just a really good boppy song and Can never go wrong. Good mood, even though the lyrics are sort of pretty depressing romantic jealousy but the baseline always puts me in a good mood i like it it's a good song definitely uh, i'm song. sure a lot of people love that one if you could be a top athlete in any sport what sport would you choose i would love to be a premier league football player it's glamorous you're in a cool team famous around the world uh, I reckon being a Premier League football player would be the best and I would love to play for Liverpool. Oh, I'm sure that'll be a bit controversial when people listen. <laughs> I know people are very passionate about their Premier League team. They are. Inside the firm, I have a lot of banter with the various, you know, Manchester United supporters oh. in particular. Do you have a fantasy uh, football team? I do not have a fantasy <laughs> Premier League football team. Uh, I am a member of an AFL footy tipping comp with a few of my mates, which is very rigorously competed in. Uh, <laughs> but no, 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 no fantasy football page. Not for Premier. Mm, all right. Um, 
So now that, well, we know you're a Premier Football League fan and love your coffee, we know you a bit better. We'd love to know why you chose to work at Ashurst and in the financial space. So I've actually got a pretty different story to most lawyers, Paige. I actually came out of law school and I was initially actually a journalist for the Age newspaper. Wow. So I worked for the Age um, for about four years, actually, doing a trainee year, um, working as a general news reporter. And then I went on after I did my articles at another law firm to be the legal affairs correspondent, mostly reporting about you know, high court cases. I had a stint reporting on state politics up at the um, Victorian Parliamentary Gallery as well. So I was actually a journalist for four years, straight out of university. And I had a great time. You know, I, I did got to do fun things on the side. You know, I wrote about music. I wrote restaurant reviews on the side as well. Oh, that would have been fun. So, it was a, yeah, it was, it was fantastic fun. It was a really good, varied job. But maybe after about four years of doing that, page, it became to, clear to me that perhaps I'd hit a little bit of a ceiling in terms of how far I was going to go in journalism. To be completely honest, Paige, I was a pretty bad journalist. I was terrible <laughs> at breaking stories, at being the, doing the investigative side of things. And so if you take a look at the legends of investigative journalism in, at the age, for example, um, you know, people like Nick McKenzie or Richard Baker, you know, if they are the, um, if they're the Liverpool of investigative <laughs> journalism, then I would be the, you know, the Tranmere Rovers, you know, in third division. So it sort of became clear to me that frankly, I just wasn't very good at it. And I, I think what also became clear to me is that finance transactions is part of what makes the world go round. So, you know, I was reporting on state politics and I'd find myself reporting, you know, important um, stories, but, you know, they might involve, you know, corruption around, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars here or there. And, that, you know, and, that, and that's really important part of, um, you know, the fourth estate. By the same token, I think if you look at, you know, the macro world, a lot of what creates the macro world, you know, the landscape of, for example, the city that we live in, is really created by financial transactions. Um, and so I, I did want to get an insight into financial transactions and being a finance lawyer at a top-tier law firm is, is you know, a great way to do that. I was actually an art student as well. I was going to ask so, about how did you find the transition from, I assumed, an art sort of degree into what would be very commerce-based finance position? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting one, Paige. I did a politics major um you know, within an arts degree at university, which went along with uh, my law degree. And I felt like I'd already got my education in politics. And one thing I hadn't really got my education in was, again, financial transactions. And becoming a graduate or a first-year lawyer in the context of a top-tier law firm like Ashurst is in itself an amazing education and one that you happen to get paid for. If you want to learn about finance transactions, there's no better way of doing it on the job in the context of a organisation like Ashurst, which really does do the leading edge financial transactions. And I remember in my very first week at what was then called Blake Dorsal Waldron, which was the predecessor firm to Ashurst, straight away getting called in going, all right, you know, we've got to act for an investment bank, which is looking at arranging you know, a massive amount of money for a transaction involving Coles and Wes Farmers, you know, and straight away, you know, first week as a lawyer, 
those are the sorts of transactions um, that you're acting on. It's a really great education. That's amazing. I can imagine that was a very steep learning curve for you there. Yeah. But what, what sort of helps you get to get to grips with that steep learning curve are you know, firstly amazing people. And I've been really lucky to have fantastic mentors in the firm. Two, fantastic precedents. Um, you know, if you can sort of stand on the shoulder of giants who've created some great precedent materials, that's fantastic. And thirdly, I think I did bring to it a bit of commercial common sense. I mean, just sort of knowledge of the commercial world that you can just build up through, you know, your own general knowledge. You know, the very first transaction I worked on was acting for, again, an investment bank that was lending money to a private equity house. Private equity house had bought Witchery, which I'm sure is a brand that you're well aware of. Yes, <laughs> very familiar. Um, and then, yep. And then we're doing the bolt-on acquisition for Mimco, which again, I'm sure oh, that's cool. a accessories yes. brand that you'd be um, very well aware of. And so, I think if you can place some some of these huge commercial transactions in the context of you know your own commercial knowledge, it does make it easier to climb that learning curve. So I was definitely helped by you know, the fantastic team of, you know, senior mentors and, and indeed other junior lawyers who I had around me at the time. That sounds very exciting for some early work as well. It'd be cool to work on something that actually, I always think I would love to do work that's on something that you see or know about, which in that it would be like so interesting because it's a place like a shop I actually go to and I know about, not just some strange foreign company or a place I've never heard of, which is really cool. Yeah, it just makes it a, a bit more concrete and it makes it easier to learn some of the concepts that might otherwise seem really abstract. You know, when you think about, I don't know, let's say a brand like Aesop, for example, and, and we've you know done some financing involving Aesop at the firm, and you think about, oh, you think about Aesop and you go, all right, they operate in all these different countries, so we need to think about those different countries and how they slot into the transaction. You know, they probably have leases, so how does that affect the business? They've got particular requirements when it comes to their you know, customer-facing transactions, so they've got requirements around that. And you start to piece it all together, and it, it does give you a, a, a running head start if you can you know, think about the business um, that it's involved, you know, that, that's involved. For sure. That's so interesting. And I guess sort of when you're talking about mentors and all of that, what, how would you describe the firm culture at Ashurst? Yeah, so we can we can break that into a few different uh, areas. In terms of the overall firm culture, I think that we are firstly a very collegiate um, and collaborative culture. The, the lawyers really do a great job of working together to create the best service uh, for our clients. So that's really important from a, a I guess, a client-facing uh, culture and also from an internal culture perspective. And I think that's built upon a foundation of what is a you know, reasonably informal sort of culture, at least by professional top-tier law firm standards. So a couple of key things about you know, what we offer uh, to our lawyers. Going forwards, and I think this is perhaps uh, being inspired by the coronavirus of 2020, uh, we, we have a, we're going to have going forwards a hybrid working model where our staff are going to be encouraged you know, to work, say, two days from home or flexibly and then three days from the office. And I think that gets a, gets, gives you a really good blend between you know, building that culture of collaboration and collegiality inside the office for th- over three days, and then having two days where 
you know, it gives you a bit more flexibility to, to live your life as you need to live it, you know, to, you know, address those things at home or just outside of home, you know, in your own time. So I think that's a really interesting mix for our lawyers who've obviously had to adapt this year to entirely working from home in 2020. Other elements of our culture that are really important, um, at least pre-coronavirus, we used to love our Friday night drinks uh, at the end of our floor for the, for the team on a weekly basis. And then on a monthly basis, we'd actually have firm-wide or office-wide uh, drinks, which is a great chance to catch up with all your mates in other practice areas. And that was always good fun. So we have our team Christmas party and our firm-wide Christmas party. Although, again, I think the uh, firm-wide one, unfortunately, has been uh, put off this year. For, like many uh, things. <laughs> correct, for, 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 obvious, for obvious reasons. And then I guess, I think finally, I think another important part of the culture is the client-facing part of the culture, which is to say we really encourage all our team members, pretty much from the day that they're a graduate lawyer, right through to, obviously, when they're a partner, to get on the front foot when it comes to engaging with clients. And that can mean everything from you know, delivering a CLE to clients, writing articles for them, catching up with them for a beer or for a coffee, giving them a market update on what's going on in the world of real estate finance. We really love all our team members to be really engaged with, you know, with our clients because I think it makes it for both our clients and for our lawyers a more personalised working experience. I'm sure they really appreciate that too. And I love how COVID, as much as it was quite hard for a lot of people, that it has shown that people can work from home and that it's given that flexibility that I'm sure a lot of people probably wanted but didn't want to ask for or the infrastructure wasn't really set up for them to do that. So I think 2021 will be a very interesting year for the new sort of working models that a lot of places will be adopting. And to be completely fair and honest, Paige, uh, I think there has at times been some resistance maybe to the idea of remote working. Yeah. And I think that 2020 has well and truly dealt with you know, some of the more fuddy-duddy attitudes that might have prevailed throughout our industry when it comes to remote working. Definitely, which is probably well needed. So at least some perks from this year. We would love to know what kind of work excites you. So I know at the start you sort of spoke about there's sort of three sort of areas you work across. Do you have a preference? Is there particular clients or projects that you like to work on? Look, I love all the areas of law that I work across page, but I must admit that there is a particular thrill when it comes to real estate finance and getting the chance to work on some really exciting projects. And so uh, in my time, um, I've had a chance to work on, I think the most exciting work has been some of the borrower side work acting for some of our developers. So one of our clients is Capital Alliance are a, a relatively you know, boutique developer, but they're doing the new Marriott um, Hotel um, and they're also doing the new AC Marriott Hotel as well. We've also been uh, helping them out with things like you know, their acquisition of the Peter Rowlands catering business as well. And so I think you know, building a personal relationship with people like Capital Alliance is extraordinarily rewarding. I think the other side part of it is, you know, general speaking, real estate finance, I think having the chance to drive around the city you know, see the, the buildings that you've been a part of in your own small way is really satisfying. So I, you know, take a look at buildings like the Aurora Melbourne Central uh, skyscraper in the CBD or the Sky One skyscraper in Box Hill. You know, we've got some, you know, really exciting projects which are, you know, currently in construction, so such as, you know, Tim Gurner's St. Moritz 
building in St Kilda or the new Ace Hotel, Surrey Hills, New South Wales, and you sort of start to realise that you, know, you and your team members, you know, working hand in hand with your clients, have been at least responsible in some part to the growing you know, landscape of Melbourne. And I, I'm a very proud Melbourneian. I want Melbourne to be a global city, and to play your small part in that, I think, is really rewarding. Definitely, I love Melbourne. I'm actually originally from Perth, and I moved here four years ago now and I never want to go home. I love it here. It's an amazing city. So I definitely share your enthusiasm, but it's so nice that your work kind of becomes something tangible that you can see. Maybe you can go stay at the hotels one day. Uh, look, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be staying at the Ace Hotel when I'm <laughs> Sydney and there's no doubt about that. I'm looking forward to that. That's so exciting. And then I guess kind of a flip side to that would be what do you think are some of the day-to-day challenges that you face working even if that is sort of the remote COVID or just generally? Yeah, for me, the biggest challenge of this year, Paige, has been trying to give, especially our graduate lawyers, the learning experience which they deserve. When I was a graduate lawyer or a first-year lawyer, I really benefited from, you know, sitting outside the office of a senior practitioner and just overhearing the way that they talk to clients or sitting in an office as they walk, you know, through a page turn of a document and share their thoughts. And that's something which has been harder for us to offer our graduate lawyers, our first year lawyers this year because of remote working. You know, we try different techniques such as, you know, sharing a screen on Zoom or Skype for business so that, you know, we can walk through a document in the same way. And that does have some value and it is helpful but it is not as easy as just asking someone, you know, come into my office and we'll talk about this document for the next hour. So I think that has been a real challenge. It's going to be something which all of us really need to look out for if we are going to develop the next generation of lawyers. And I think it can be kind of challenging as well for the graduates because they don't want to be constantly reaching out via email or calling on Zoom saying, I need help, I don't understand something, where in an office that would be so simple just to walk past a desk and say, hey, I just have a two-second question because you kind of have to make it a whole thing to talk to someone when it is remote. Yeah. I remember being a graduate or a first-year lawyer and you find it scary enough to just like knock on the door of somebody, you know, even in an office. And so it can still seem unwittingly uh, intimidating, I think. So I think we still need to find ways of getting around that vibe. Oh, well, thank you for your time because I'm sure that now people would know that, you know, even the partners at Ashurst are very approachable. That's right. Famously <laughs> approachable. <laughs> we love that. And then on sort of back to where we were before, but what do you think or what would you say has been your uh, biggest success in your role, um, either at the firm or before that, if um, you had a journalism highlight? <laughs> yeah, at the firm, I think the thing I'm most proud of is having done my part to build a really diverse team um, and to put the idea of diversity into practice. Our team has team members who come from a variety of different religious backgrounds, a variety of different uh, countries of origin. So people from Brazil, Afghanistan, England, by India, South Africa, the list goes on, Italians, Greeks, the rest of it. So we are an extraordinarily diverse team and I think playing my part in being part of the vanguard that has transformed what used to be a very white Mm Anglo-Saxon profession and, you know, banking law was a particularly white Anglo-Saxon Protestant sort of part of the law into a area of the law which is 
you know, really diverse and draws upon people from all these different backgrounds and where people feel free to be themselves, their authentic selves is something which I'm really proud of. And as you can see, but um, our listeners can't, I, I myself am a relatively young Asian Australian uh, person. And so even being a role model in that sense is really important to me. Definitely. And I think it is so great that there is, we're getting a lot more diversity in the workplace, which is encouraging for everyone. I know this is probably a bit of a throwback to arts and law, but if you could do law school again, is there anything that you would have done differently or any advice you'd give to students now about how to tackle the degree? I think it's easy at law school to think that not everything is important and to sort of just concentrate, for example, on the particular core subjects. But I think one thing I've realised in retrospect is that I've actually learnt something out of every subject and it might have been obliquely, but there's always been something out of each subject that I've been able to take with me into professional life. Um, it's amazing that, you know, even though I'm a banking lawyer, there are parts of, you know, IP law or media law, little snippets which have just come back to me and which have been of value to me as, a, as a, even a banking lawyer. So I think, you know, taking everything you can out of every subject you do is really important. Probably very good advice. I think we do get a bit distracted by the coyness. And I think there is sort of this idea that people already have an idea of what practice area they might want to be in. And so they want to do really well in that particular subject. So it looks good when they are applying for clerkships or graduate positions, which means they probably neglect the other subjects that they're doing at the same time. Yeah, but you know what? You never know. You, you never really know what you're going to like later in life. I must admit that when I was a uni student, I didn't think that I was going to be a finance lawyer. It only sort of emerged to me later in life during you know my exposure, I suppose, to some, some of what was going around in the world that made me realise that yeah, finance is actually really important. It's not necessarily something I realised at university. No, definitely not. I think we can change a lot over the time. And particularly, I guess, in the workplace, you'd have a lot of different experiences and exposure to different things that you might not have known were around when you're at uni. And then I guess a question of interest about your particular work, but are there any skills or traits that you think are important for people that might want to work in the space that you're in? I guess you're kind of a unique case in that you didn't do commerce, which I think would trump the common perception that to be in that space, you do have to have covered those things at uni. <laughs> Is there anything yeah, else? Look, yeah, look, just going back on that one, because it's a really important point. You really do not need to have done commerce to be a banking lawyer. And in fact, when I take a look at the two other partners in our team, I think both of them were actually art students back at university which I think demonstrates the point I'm trying to make, which is to say that you don't need to have done commerce, but at least you can demonstrate a level of commercial common sense and an interest in the commercial world. I think that's really part of what we're looking for. You know, we definitely understand that during university, people want to you know, study all sorts of different things. But I think it's demonstrating that you have going forward an interest in the commercial world and building your knowledge about the commercial world that is one of the key traits that I you know, really look for when I'm doing, for example, seasonal clerk interviews. And then there are other skills that we look for that will only emerge, you know, once you're already in an organisation, you know, when, for example, you're doing a summer clerkship. So I think a level of initiative, mm -hmm. um, of wanting to get on with the job or wanting to be busy, wanting to learn, 
that sort of hunger and desire is something which is really important for us to see. Oh, that's very good advice. Thank you. And Ken, this has been so great. I'm going to go down to my last question now, and that is if you could step into my shoes as a host today, is there anything that you would have liked me to ask you or any advice that you'd want to give to anyone listening? Yeah, the advice that I'd love to give any law students, for example, is if and when you get inside a law firm environment, realising that it's not enough for you to just rely on your smarts. As you'll realise from law school, everyone around you is a smart person and there really is no substitute for work ethic and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Um, Enthusiasm for what you do and always wanting to do more and always wanting to work hard to do better will take you so far um, in any profession. And I think it's something which I actually probably had to learn myself when I was a junior lawyer, that it it wasn't enough for me to cruise by on what I thought (laughs) perhaps were my smarts, but actually to have to, you know, put my head down and get some deal experience under my belt, you know, really important for me to learn it at that time. That's very good advice. I think it's a very good point you're making that sometimes scares people. I think that when you look around law school, there are a lot of smart people. You're not the only one. You have to have other things and be, uh, like you said, enthusiastic about what you're doing. Yeah. Enthusiasm will take you a long way in life. Oh, I love that. Well, that is all from me, but thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. And you've been so fantastic. I'm very intrigued by your journalism story at the start. And I, look, I will say that journalism was really helpful for me from a professional perspective. It sort of t- taught me how to talk with anybody, you know, regardless of what you know, quote unquote rank they might have in society. So, you know, as a journalist, you know, sometimes I'd be talking to, you know, a mum and dad who was affected by some policy, you know, out in Thomastown. And sometimes I'd be talking to the Premier of the state. And so your ability to talk to lots of different people has been a skill which I've really appreciated having later in life. And I think also just that ability to you know, deal with deadlines and deal with pressure. Sometimes you'd write an article and you know, some politician wouldn't be too happy about it. And having the confidence to stand by your work and the correctness of it um, and to deal with what can be pressure is also a really important skill to have in life. So I actually got a lot out of journalism, which I've been able to parlay uh, into my life as a banking lawyer nowadays. That's amazing. Oh, I love that you you can take something from everything you do and and it's still useful to you. But thank you again for all of your time. I really, really appreciate it. It's been so great to chat with you. Thanks a lot, Paige. And I really look forward to uh, listening to more of your work. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Grind. We're thrilled to be able to bring you season two, which is out every Tuesday and Thursday. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. These are in your show notes.